may all be seated. Good morning again, family. I hear some of you out there. Hopefully you're, you're happy to be somewhere today, to be able to wake up and to be able to have some clothes to put on your back, maybe even some food to put in your stomach, a, a conveyance to, to get in, to get here this morning. So, uh, man, what a blessing it is to be able to wake up and worship today. Um, we are going to jump back into our series in the, in the book of Mark. Prior to the, the summer, we took a diversion through Proverbs. And I think it was kind of right on time because this, this world, is, is, it seems like it's going upside down. You know, what's, what's up and is down and what's down is up. Um, it, it, when I look at social media or hear the news, I don't know what is satire and real anymore because that's how uh, bad the news reel is today. And so I thought it was a good uh, update for us to go through Proverbs to see that there is nothing new under the sun. And if we're not careful will succumb to this this craziness and madness of the day. And uh, I want us to be grounded in the, the one thing that is true, the one thing that is constant, the one thing is that is forever, and that's God and his word. And so I enjoyed our time in, in Proverbs, um, living wisely in a foolish world. If you want to go and review any of those, or obviously they're on our website. Um, we do have a podcast. If you have Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, and things of that nature, you can uh, listen to it there as well. While you're uh, working out on the treadmill or whatever it is you do, or uh, do you're doing some gardening, you can have those in plugged into your ear and hear my annoying voice um, go through those as well. But we're going to jump back into Mark. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is really interesting um, as it goes through. It's different than, than some of the other Gospels. It, it, Mark doesn't waste anybody's time. Uh, Mark comes in, he's like, I got something to tell you. I got somebody who tell, to tell you about. His name is Jesus, and this is what he's done. And he gets right to the point. And he, doesn't, he doesn't spend any time going through the genealogies and, and all this kind of stuff. He's like, look, Here's what's happening on the scene. This guy, Jesus, came, and this is what he's doing. He gets right to the point. He doesn't want you to miss anything. There's no commercial breaks. He's going from one scene to the next as he's writing um, about the ministry of Jesus. And I appreciate that. I appreciate his brevity to be able to go through and say, this is the point. This is what I want you to pay attention to. Stay with me, right? And so um, it goes through and it talks about uh, Jesus's um, uh, entry into ministry when he, when he starts his earthly work and, and goes through that. It talks about uh, all the miracles that, that Jesus is doing and how um, these religious folks, these Pharisees and Sadducees, and come and they try to stop him doing from what he's doing. They're trying to uh, call him, they even called him the brother of Satan. How can anybody do these type of miracles unless you're associated with the evil one? The nerve of these guys. They are constantly following around because Jesus is coming on and he's usurping this power and he is, he is claiming to be God. And they're like, wait a minute, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? And Jesus said, I told you. I told you who I am, but you're going to learn today. And he goes through and continues to, to minister and, and, and uh, do all these miracles to show uh, where, who he is 
and where he's come from, who his Father in heaven is. We're going to pick up today in chapter 7 of the book of Mark. The title today is Christian Masks. Masks are a hot topic today. Uh, A lot of you are wearing masks today. I know it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. There's there's people on either side of the argument. Um, Should we or should we not wear masks? Are they effective? Um, What what does it do? What type of mask? If I do wear a mask, which ones are more effective than the other? Oh, and the other side is like, wait, wait a minute. You're you're infringing on my um, just me being American, having the free choice whether I want to wear a mask or not. And matter of fact, the the numbers are all skewed. Everything you're telling me is none of it is factual. It's not stopping the virus. It's not doing anything. You should wear a mask. And, of course, we can continue to have those debates. Um, There's various statistics, various websites you can go. um, You know, some of us believe, hey, I'm going to do what I can to love my neighbor. So if that means wearing a a mask when I go into the the grocery store or come to church or whatever have you, uh, that's the least I can do. You know, and some are, hey, I'm in, uh, I'm uh, susceptible to this, so I'm going to do everything that I can to uh, prevent anything happening to me. Because um, if I were able to, if I got the virus, then it would be bad news for myself and my family. So we're so focused on this outward mask that I don't think we understand and realize that without these outward masks, we, we walk around with a mask anyway. They tend to be a little more comfortable than these outward masks. You know, as I was growing up, I always wanted to fit in. Going to school and being around people, I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to be with the in crowd. But in order to do that, there was only a certain type of people. You know, it starts early in life, this categorization of people and and how we congregate together. And, and for me, I found out about this like on the kickball field. When you go to, to, to pick a kickball team, you figure out pretty quick what side you're on and what side you're not. They play kickball these days anymore? Kickball, dodgeball. They probably don't play dodgeball. It's probably too violent. <laughs> but you find out really quick where um, you're seen and what group that you fit into. You go uh, sit at the lunch table. You, you go, uh, uh, for those of you who are in school and, and remember going to school and sitting at the lunch table, these are, the days are different these days. But you congregate, right? And you see, okay, those, those, those are the, the smart guys. Those are the jocks. They call jocks the athletes or whatever. Those are the, the science folks. Those are the black folks, the white folks over there. We congregate willingly. These are masks that we are putting on. There's certain things that people need to do in order to be in the in crowd. Be, in order to be with us, you got to be like us. And maybe that's how you are naturally or not. If you're not naturally like that, you have to put on a mask. In order to be with the in crowd, the athletes, I need to play a sport. I need to play football. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put on that volleyball mask so that I can fit in. Some of you are wearing a Christian mask. Some of you 
uh, come down and take your associated place on the couch or in the pew. And say, well, I, I did my Christian uh, 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 responsibility this week by going and, and going to service and sitting and listening to somebody talk at me. I'm done for the week. Some of you um, go out and, and on social media talk about uh, people infringing on our religious liberties, but you don't exercise those liberties that you're so-called fighting for. Some of us are wearing a Christian mask. We want people to think and believe that we've got our stuff together and we're doing what God has called us to do, but we spend no time with God. We spend no time or little time reading his word. But before we leave the house, especially on Sunday mornings, we put on our Christian masks. What's that look like? So Mark tells us about this in chapter 7 of his, his gospel. Mark is going through and telling us about all the people that are gathered um, in, in front of, of Jesus and, and looking and, and trying to understand what he's doing. Uh, they're, they're simply just hanging out with him, watching him. They're, they want to know, is, is, is this guy, is he with us or he's not? Is he in the in crowd or is he something totally and completely different? They're trying to figure this out by gathering with him. So they heard Jesus was coming. They came from Jerusalem, and they wanted to see what he was teaching. Look with me in, in uh, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. This word reads, the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around them. They observed that some of the disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. Lord have mercy. They didn't wash their hands. They sat down to eat. They didn't wash their hands. Now we're hypersensitive to this because of all the, the, the pandemic. We want to wash their hands. But <laughs> hey, these guys, did they know about COVID? They're going to sit down and, and start eating and not even wash his hands. The thing is, the, the Pharisees, they weren't concerned about personal hygiene. What were they concerned about? Look with me in verse 3. It says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. They were mad at Jesus and the disciples uh, for not following the rules. They didn't care if their, their hands were actually clean or not. They're kind of like those people who go to the, they go to the, you're in a restaurant and you go to the restroom, um, you're there diligently washing your hands with soap and somebody comes out of the stall, puts some water in their hands and fix their hair and walks out. They weren't following the rules. Like, hey man, there's soap here. It, but this is for a ceremonial thing that they're looking at. They, they were mad because they weren't following the tradition that was established and added to the law. The, the people, they looked at this, at the law of Moses, and they added uh, perpetually to it. It's like, well, if the law says this, and I'm going to get this far out so I don't cross over the line, I'm going to add a little bit more so I'm going to be so pious and so religious that you are not going to catch me breaking that law 
because I'm way out here. I'm a super religious person. This ceremonial washing of the hands, they would, they would come in and somebody would have the pot of water and so they would put their hands um, up first like this and they would have them out and have the water pulled over their hands but the water couldn't drip down. It had to drip off their, their wrist and once that was done successfully then they turn them upside down and they get another one and they just flake it off like that. This, this, they had levels in a process to what this hand washing is supposed to look like. This tradition was added to the law and passed down from generation to generation. And Mark tells us that it was originally intended in, in verse 4, that it was intended to remind the Jews that they were God's special people and they would not be contaminated by others around them in the world. This was a sign for them that, that you guys are set apart and you will not succumb to the rest of the world. Instead, this tradition became an empty ritual. It no longer was a reminder of who they were in relation to God. It was empty without meaning. So these religious leaders, they were threatened because Jesus refused to honor their religious tradition. Like, hey man, this is the way we do things here. You should know this. Why aren't you following the rules? Who is he to disregard this Jewish tradition? Now, I don't know if you've had people in your life that kind of size you up and try to intimidate you by holding you to a particular standard. I, I remember earlier, um, after being called this pastor, I'm not a big tie person. Um, I have ties. I, I, I used to have a job where I had to wear a tie every day, and so now I'm, I'm free from that. So I'll wear a tie every once in a while. But I wore a tie on, on this one occasion. Uh, a s sweet, wonderful lady um, after service said, um, you finally look like a pastor today. And, and, and it, she, she, she meant no harm by it. It was, it was meant in love, and I took it as such. But there's a category, right? There's, when you look at people, there's, there's a certain look that pastors have, right? Or, you know, a, a salesman or an engineer or whatever have you. There's a certain uh, uh, look that they have, a certain category that fit, they fit into. Uh, hopefully, I'm sure most, if not all of you, have experienced people in your lives that are sizing you up to fit you in a particular box, and I remember being a kid in middle school, and it seems like it always happens in middle school, uh, where it, it is people are looking. It's not just enough to be an individual. You want to fit in with a crowd. And uh, I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, at that time, I wasn't one of the popular guys. I, I know. It's, even looking back on it, I don't believe it. But the, the cool kids, they had brand name clothes. You know, this was back in Run DMC times, and, and, and I'm dating myself. Uh, Run DMC, they had the, the Adidas with, with no laces that's just fresh and clean. They had the Adidas jumpsuits, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, hey, my folks didn't have it like that. So, I mean, I got the, the knockoff stuff. But there was one year that uh, I was able to go and pick a, a couple of things. You know, my, my mom gave me a budget. It's like, okay, you pick a couple of things that, that you really want. You know, and at that time, um, 
man, you if you were anything, you had to have a starter jacket. Now, starter, uh, the different connotation now. They're 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 not the same as what they used to be. But in the day, you had to have a shiny starter jacket with uh, with a good team on it. Now, you couldn't just be your favorite team. Nobody cared about who your favorite was. You had to have one of the end teams. Chicago Bulls was one of those teams, and there were various others. You had to have that in order to get in and be with the popular folks. Just like that, I walk in on Monday morning, my, my fresh starter coat, like, man, people are like, oh, hey, look at, oh, okay, Vaughn down now. Vaughn got his little, okay, I see you. Just like that, I was able to sit with some of the cool kids, hang out with them, just because I, I kind of look like them now. I was able to fit in with them. In the same way, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were looking for some of these outward clues. They were looking for anything that would make Jesus and disciples look more like them to, to prove that they would fit with these religious leaders. Unlike me, Jesus didn't want to fit in. In fact, he called these religious, religious leaders hypocrites. Wow. Look at verses seven or six and seven. <laughs> Jesus answered them and said, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, uh, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines, uh, human commands. Wow. I think we all know what a hypocrite is in case of someone who claims to be or they hold to some moral standard, but they don't actually believe and they don't actually do what it says they, they should abide in. They say, oh, you should do this in order to be this type of person, but they don't do it themselves. They act like they do. Jesus taught that you could do the right things, but all for the wrong reasons. True worship comes from the heart and is directed by God's truth and not a set of ideas, a set of rules. And this is an important point for us, brothers and sisters. When, when there is a, a conflict between culture and Scripture, Scripture always wins. When culture says this is good and this is okay and it conflicts with what Scripture says, Scripture's right. Ten out of ten times. Culture says, oh, no, no, this is fine. This is okay. This is acceptable. And Scripture says, under no circumstances are you to do this. Oh, well, they don't mean, I mean, once or twice is okay. No. Scripture always wins. God's word is the measuring stick for us who claim to be Christians, Christ followers. Here Jesus shows the Pharisees that by obeying their own commission or traditions, what they were actually doing was breaking God's law. They had allowed the culture to come in and say what was good and acceptable, but disregarded what, what it was that God's word has said. So it doesn't matter if they had the best intentions. 
We like to talk about intentions. I didn't mean it that way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they were just going along with everybody else. Well, it was a sign of the times. If you were a religious leader, you had to do these things. So they were just going along with everybody else. You heard that argument recently? No, they were breaking God's law. It was not right. It was not correct. It doesn't matter what their intention was. It doesn't matter if they were obedient in other ways. Like, well, I don't really do that, but I do all these other things. That counts, right? Selective obedience is not obedience at all. St. Augustine is quoted as saying, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. I like I like ref tunes. Um, <laughs> it shows this guy he's going out and it's like just tearing page and page and page out of the Bible, and finally I got something that I I like, because he tore out everything, all the stuff he didn't like. But we do that. We do that. Look with me in verse 14. Jesus, summoning the crowds again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked about the parable. And he said, are you also as lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into the heart, but goes into the stomach, and then it's eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and that is what defiles a person. People say, well, I don't need pork. That, that, that stuff is unclean. Jesus himself is saying, it's not what goes in. You can eat all the pork you want. It doesn't go into your heart. Once, once you eat it, it's expelled. It goes away. But if you feed your mind with all these evil things and thoughts, movies, music, you feed the mind, it goes into the heart. It comes back out of you, out of your mouth, out of your actions. That is what defiles you. Oh, well, I'm not going to eat that because, you know, no, it's unclean, it's not going to matter. Again, selective obedience is no obedience at all, right? So if you're not eating pork and you're cussing everybody out on your way to work, Jesus is saying that 
The source of godly living is within and not outside. Jesus takes it a step further just by talking about clean hands and extends it to this conversation about unclean foods. These religious leaders were worried about um, just all the surface level things while Jesus is concerned about what's underneath, what's inside, what's going on. The Jewish ceremonial laws about washing uh, hands and um, uh, the, the food, uh, they were all ceremonial. They were about ceremonial impurity. But like the laws about pork, selfish, and, and all this, this other kind of stuff that we read in the Old Testament, and they were there for a reason. And here God said, hey, you've taken this so far that you forgot why. Brothers and sisters, our relationship with God and fellowship with God is, is not infected it's not affected at all by your unclean hands or unclean foods. Our relationship with God is, is affected by our personal sin. That is what affects our relationship with God. Jesus says defilement has nothing to do with one eats, but rather what one says and does. And not just while you're around other people, by the way. It's, it's who you are when nobody is with you. It's who you are when nobody's looking. Because even if I'm not there, your, your, your family's not there, your friend's not there, God is. And he sees it. He sees, and, and just like the Pharisees, he's called, hey, you hypocrite. The heart is the core for our motivation, our deliberation, and our intention. The purity of a person is not determined by external actions, but the attitude of heart. That is what determines who you are, shows who you follow. Jesus makes it very clear that by doing the right things, it does not mean that the person is right. They might do the, the, the good things on the outside, but on the inside, they're not. There's only one way to do this. By the way, this should encourage us we, we might sit and it's like, well, there's no way that I can follow all these laws. You look at the laws of the Old Testament, 613 of them. There's no way that I can do all that stuff. You're right. You're right. That's the point. The point to, is to show you that you have a need for a Savior. This is God's standard. God tells us to do all these things that we can't live up to. Knowing that we can't, God sends us a representative. God sends us a substitute, and that's why you should be encouraged. That when Jesus came and walked this earth, he fulfilled all those laws of the Old Testament. And he did so on your behalf. He, he gave up his life so that you can have life. We should be encouraged by this. 
the only way is by turning to Jesus and trusting him for our salvation. The work is already done. All you must do is turn to him and trust him. And it's then that we will be changed from the inside out. It's then that we can take off this mask, this 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 Christian mask or any other that you're carrying around. You can take that off and fully be who God has created you to be. I love and appreciate the differences that we have amongst God's people. He's fashioned us in a way so that he can use us uniquely for the kingdom. And that ought to be celebrated. There's no need for you to wear a mask because God knows you. And even despite all the things you have done, all the things you have said, he knows you and he loves you. And let's take it a step further. Those who are in Christ, he has chosen you. You chose him because he chose you first. We ought to be encouraged by that. You should be free now to be who God has called you to be. Exercise the gifts that God has given you to utilize. And be free. It, it, you know, I remember, I mean, it was only until I was adult that I realized it was okay to be me that I was the only one that could be me. All the people that I looked up to in this world, all the, the celebrities or the professors or anything, I can't, or preachers, I can't be like any of those guys. I can't. I can only be me, and God has uniquely made me to be that. Once I realized that, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I was so busy pretending what I thought people wanted me to be that I was just struggling around carrying this burden. And well, what if they catch me and I'm not being who they expect me to be? Or what if I forget it? What if I do it wrong? And I just realized I need to be who God made me to be. How freeing that has been. Yeah, people still talk about me and laugh at me, but that's who God made me to be. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10. God created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joys of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. This is my hope and prayer for each of us here today. That we would go and seek the Lord and ask him to create in us a clean spirit. And to renew that steadfast spirit within us so that we can be the people that he has called us to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for creating all your people. I, I thank you that you've, all, you've created all of us in, in a unique way. You've, you've 
breathe breath in our lungs and you you've given us all these various gifts so that when we come together as a body of believers that we are able to to function and, and carry on the mission that you have before us father help us not to neglect what it is that you've provided to us not only individually but also corporately as a body of believers help us to realize and to exercise the gifts um, and uh, the talent that you've provided to us so that we can go out and not only serve the community but be able to go and proclaim the good news go out and share the gospel to those who need to hear it there are people outside these walls that are brokenhearted that that, that don't have any hope in their lives but father we hold well, what what is true hope that we will be able to go to them and show them within your scripture that they can have hope in this hopeless world that they can uh, go somewhere and have somebody to trust in and that is you and you alone help us to go and to be able to share that and see people to to come to christ to be able to run to you for any and everything that there is. Help them to be free of whatever they're trying to be in their own lives and and figure out why you have placed them here. That we would surround each other, be able to encourage one another and love on one another so that we can look forward to that day where we get to spend forever and eternity with you all together and worshiping and praising where there'll be no more tears, no more anguish, no more heartache but we will be forever and eternity in your presence. Father, we look forward to that day. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you all stand as we conclude our worship this morning?